We're to build up, and he dealt with this last week as well, leading to edification. Last week in chapter 14, we looked at a, a Greek word that actually means the act of building up or to edify. And as believers, our words are to bring about edification, that they may impart grace to the hearers or to those around us. And our goal should not be ever to tear someone down, but to build them up. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Romans chapter 15. Well, here at Calvary Chapel, we like to go through God's Word book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. This year we've been studying through the book of Romans. It brings us to Romans chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13 this morning. I titled this passage, The Hope of God. We find in the first 13 verses of Romans 15, Paul continues to stress the importance of not getting sidetracked by the uh, contending about the non-essentials of our faith. He is continuing the theme that he started in chapter 14, where Paul specifically dealt with three issues. He really stressed the issue of diet, the day of the week that we worship, and then once or twice he mentioned the drink that we might have. And so we could say the three issues, that being of uh, what day of the week in which we worship and the food and the drink that we consume. And I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this was not anything about talking about the best diet to have, whether, you know, we're talking about a vegetarian, a vegan, or a keto diet. It was really an issue of worship. They were concerned with the day that they worshiped. They were concerned with the food or the drink that they had. Was this in any way uh, causing them to sin against the Lord by consuming these things or the day in the week that they worship? Was it sin to them? And Paul is encouraging them that this is a non-essential as far as the day that we worship or the food or the drink that we might have. And he was warning them really not to get caught up in the non-essentials of our faith. They were trying to, and the danger is, and it happens all the way into the 21st century, is that people try to take non-essentials and make them essential elements of our faith. And they, if left unchecked, could drive a wedge between the body of Christ. For the first century church, 
that wedge was being driven between Jew and Gentile, and that's what Paul was stressing here. But it also drives wedges in the 21st century church from different denominations or non-denomination, whatever a church might call themselves, and even wedges within a fellowship. And so Paul is stressing the importance of having hope in God. And today we're going to look at that in Romans 15, verses 1 through 13. And just for an overview, we're going to be looking in our first point, verses 1 through 3, that we are to bear with one another. Second, we're going to see in verses 4 through 6, we're to be like-minded. And number 3, verses 7 through 13, that we are to receive one another. I'm going to go ahead and read the first three verses of Romans 15 that opens up our first point, and I'm going to ask God to bless the teaching of his word. Romans 15 verse 1 says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And Father, I pray that you would just teach us through your Holy Spirit today, Lord. Help us to receive that which you would have for this church, Lord, for this body who is gathered here today to worship you. And I pray, Father, that your anointing would be upon the teaching of your word today. We know, Lord, that your word is anointed and has been given to us and passed down to us. And we trust, Lord, that this is the word that you have given to us. So now, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to heed the things that are written, help us to understand that we may apply these things to our lives. And I pray, Lord, right up front, if there was someone, Lord, that has walked away from you, and today you are calling them back, I pray, Lord, that they would surrender their heart to you, Lord, if there's someone that's never asked that you would be the savior of their life, today, Lord, would be that day that they would give their life over to you. And I pray, Lord, that we're going to be dealing with the subject of unity and disunity of churches. And I pray, Lord, that if there's any disunity within this church, Lord, that you would drive it out of us today. By your will, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we are to, verses 1 through 3, bear with one another. And in verses 1 and 2, he says, we're to not please ourselves. This really goes against pretty much the world that we live in today. And the world we live in today is all about uh, self-gratification and pleasing oneself. But Paul said in verses 1 and 2, we who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So Paul has a purpose behind uh, we who are strong, he says, the strong believer to bear with the scruples of the weaker believer. But the idea is to do this for their good, but also for their edification. So we can get right off from the beginning that Paul is saying that you bear with the scruples of the weak, not to leave them in their weakness, but to not harm them first and foremost, but also to lead to edification, to educate them. And sometimes the way we educate others, we can actually drive a wedge. So we have to 
be careful in how we approach these things to the strong Christian is not to demand that a weaker brother or sister should do the things. Remember chapter 14, the food or the day that they worshiped was the two great things that he stressed in chapter 14. These non-essentials of the faith that Paul was talking about, we are not to demand a weaker brother or sister to do such things that they would consider to be sin. He ended with this thought in chapter 14, verse 23. He says, he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because if he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. And so if you were to force upon a Jewish believer, a brother and sister in Christ that came to faith in Jesus Christ, they have been raised in a kosher diet their whole life, and suddenly you tell them, well, you're free now in Jesus Christ, so it's okay to eat some bacon every once in a while. If you were to force that upon them, and they were not convinced at this point in their life that it's okay to have some bacon, then it would become sin to them. This is as simple as I could make this too. But it was what they were dealing with at this time. They were talking about kosher and non-kosher foods. And to force someone to do what they feel is not right, then it becomes sin to them. So actually you're causing another brother and sister to sin. We are to instead bear with one another in the scruples of the weak. We're to bear as if carrying a burden. We are to endure with them. In Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2, he says, Brethren, if there is a man who is overtaken with any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens. But again, it's not to leave them in that condition. It is to bring edification to them. But also it's not to gratify ourselves. We are to bear with one another and not to please ourselves. And that is a Greek word that simply means to please or to gratify or to accommodate oneself. First and foremost, we are to be God pleasers. We are to please our Father in heaven and his Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit as he uh, has taken dwelling in our hearts as believers in Jesus Christ. We are to be God pleasers, but we're also to have the best interest of others in mind. We are to seek their good that we might lead them to greater edification. In 1 Thessalonians 2.4, the word tells us, but as we have been appointed by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. We are to speak as God pleasers. And in the process of pleasing God, that means at times we need to back off a little bit. We need to bear with the scruples of the weak that we might bring them to a place of edification. We're to build up. And he dealt with this last week as well, leading to edification. Last week in chapter 14, we looked at a, a Greek word that actually means the act of building up or to edify. And as believers, our words are to bring about edification that they may impart grace to the hearers or to those around us. 
And our goal should not be ever to tear someone down, but to build them up. And we find the example in verse 3. Jesus did not please himself, for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. This is prophecy being written concerning Jesus as the Lord is speaking to his father, saying the reproaches of those who reproached you, God the Father, have fell upon me, God the Son. And Paul uses Jesus as our supreme example, who did not please himself, but went to the cross in obedience to God the Father. He cried out there before he went to the cross there in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke twenty-two forty-two. He cried out, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And on that night, Hebrews 5, 7 tells us that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to his heavenly father who was able to save him from the death on the cross. But Jesus, in obedience to God, the father surrendered his will to the father and he went to the cross. And because he went to the cross, he now offers salvation to those who would receive him as savior of their life. In Hebrews 5, 7, and 8, we get a glimpse of that prayer there in the Garden of Gethsemane, where the author of Hebrews says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was the son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. For Christ himself uh, did not do as he pleased. He did what God desired of him in obedience. And so Paul is trying to show us that we are to bear with the scruples of the weak, not to please ourselves. And he gives that example of Jesus Christ, who did not uh, refuse to go to the cross, but went to the cross in obedience to his father. In Psalm 69, we find that because of David's own foolishness and sins, David said, I look for someone to take pity in Psalm 69, 29. And God did take pity upon David and upon mankind by sending his only begotten son. And from Psalm 69, verse 9, we get this passage of scripture. Because of the zeal of your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who have reproached you have fell on me. David cried those words out from his own heart, but he cried them out prophetically, speaking of the Messiah as well. In Hebrews eleven twenty six, we find that the reproaches of Christ is mentioned once again. And what is this reproach? The Greek word speaks about uh, insult or reproach. And may I suggest to you that the reproach of Christ is that of taking our sins upon him and dying upon the cross. In Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26, the author of Hebrews says, By faith Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. 
remember here in the 21st century, and Paul began in verse 1 saying that we should not please ourselves. We live in a world that is all about trying to please oneself. In fact, we live in a world that if we compare it to the times of Moses and there in Egypt, that much of the world is choosing to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And they are not looking or esteeming the reproaches of Christ far greater riches than the treasures of this world. We live in a day and age where so many people are not looking to the heavenly reward that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And yet God looked upon sinful man and sent his only begotten son who, through the work of Jesus upon the cross, he bore our shame. He took away the reproach of sin to those who would call upon his name in life-saving faith. And so for us as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to bear with one another's weaknesses. We must always do it for the good and the edification of the individual in mind. Remember, we don't want to leave a weak brother or sister in the condition that we find them, but we have to be careful in how we build them up. But we do want to help and to build them up. And I look for people uh, to build me up and to challenge me as well. I strive that I would continue to grow in my faith. And I know that I am not the man that, you know, in my mind I would desire to be. I also know that I'm not the guy that I was several years ago, that God has been working in my life and building me up. And I pray that you can say that about yourself as well, that you're not quite the person you used to be, not quite the person you desire to be, but you have that heavenly hope and you're looking to Jesus to be that hope for you. Secondly, he tells us that we are to be like-minded, verses 4 through 6. I'll read the context. Romans 15, verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be like-minded, and he begins by talking about the very word of God itself. That which was written was written for our learning he says in verse 4, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. These things that were written, they were given to us for our teaching, for our instruction, for our education, for our learning. In Spurgeon's book, The Soul Winner, Spurgeon asked this question. What are the processes by which a soul is led to God and to salvation? And then he goes on to answer this. I take it that one of its main operations consists in instructing a man that he might know the truth of God. He asked about the process of coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and Spurgeon began this list of seven, and this is only the beginning of a list of seven that he gave here in this chapter of the soul winner, and he began by saying, it is instructing a man, we might say instructing a man or a woman, that they might know the truth of God. Through instruction, through education, the Lord God has given us his word. The heart of scripture is the belief that the Bible is relating truth always. 
whether dealing with the miraculous or history or that of an individual, a nation or the world, when the Bible speaks what it is written, the Bible is God's sure word of prophecy. And most of the Bible has been written in this biblical narrative, which are purposeful stories retelling the historical events of the past that are intended to give meaning and direction to people in the present. We are to look at the word of God and not just see it as a history book, but a story concerning Jesus Christ, a book that gives us direction. The Apostle Paul couldn't have agreed more, as he said in verse four, what has been written has been written for our learning that through the patient and heard of the scriptures, we might have hope. But don't get me wrong. The Bible is not a self-help guide. These things were written and compiled together to give us hope in Jesus Christ in the current circumstances of our lives. They were written that we might know how we ought to be saved. And we are to run our race as we are abiding, it says, through the patience. And this Greek word simply means to abide under, under the pressures of this life. We are to run our race while abiding under the pressures of this life. But the word of God gives us hope to help us abide under these things. Hebrews 10.36 says, For if you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You have need of endurance. We need endurance. And the word of God helps us to have this endurance. It is also our comfort. This is a Greek word that I've actually mentioned a number of times from this pulpit that of paracletus, it means of a legal term of a, a legal assistant coming alongside to help another. So we could think of a lawyer uh, coming to plead your case, but it also means to uh, comfort, someone to come alongside and to comfort another. And Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit as a paracletus, as a comforter, and so too does the word of God bring comfort and hope to the lives of those who have their hope in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 7, verses 19 and 20, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What is the anchor of your soul? Is it, in fact, the hope of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, the offer of salvation that you yourself have received, knowing that you have been saved? I can tell you that it is the hope of my soul. It is the anchor of my soul. So the God of hope, Romans 15, verses 1 through 13. Do you have this hope in Jesus Christ? It's only through the belief in Jesus's work on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that we come into this place of salvation. And if we have this hope in Jesus Christ, then may we pray today that the Lord would give his church, that he would give this church the unity that he desires. And Father, we pray that you would be with us now, Lord, as we close out in this final song. And I pray, Father, that if you have challenged our hearts today, 
that, Lord, we would be responsive to the call that you're placing upon our hearts, even now at this hour. Lord, if there's one here that does not know you as Savior, I pray, Father, that today would be the day that they surrender their heart to you. Perhaps, Lord, it's an individual who they have drifted away, Lord. They know they're not where they should be. I pray today, Lord, that they would be a a re-surrendering of their lives to you. Father, I pray that you would be with this church if it's an issue of unity versus disunity. Lord, work in our hearts. Bring us into a place of unity that the world might see that our community, our, our cities, our towns, the county we live in, the state we live in, that they might see, Lord, that we belong to you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. What a blessing it has been to be with you today to present the word of God. And I just pray that now he would take what we have heard, what we have learned, what we have read from today. And may he continue to, through his Holy Spirit, minister these words to our hearts. Father, that is our prayer this day, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.